Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome back. Final hour on this Thursday edition of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kuharski is here. Jonathan Hutton at an event right now. He'll be back with us uh, tomorrow. We've got Trey Wallace of OutKick.com coming up in about 20 minutes talk SEC and college football. Looking forward to that. Um, some news yesterday that I really haven't seen anywhere. You can Google this, and I, I didn't find it written anywhere until Armando Salguero wrote it at OutKick earlier today. We've been talking a lot about Debo Samuel. That's the big story in the NFL. Yesterday, big story today. A.J. Brown, another piece of this story. Debo Samuel demanding a trade from the 49ers, wanting to a contra- wanting a contract extension, wanting more money, not wanting to play out his contract as a second-round pick with the 49ers. He wants to get traded. A.J. Brown tweeting out some vague things, stripping Titans in Tennessee from his social media accounts. So some weird things happening with that. Go ahead and come on in. <laughs> come on in and get that. Adam. You ordered some food. Go get it. <laughs> awareness, everyone. Yeah, awareness. Yeah, everybody's got to look up from their phone when someone's here ordering food. Um, so Debo Samuel demanding a trade. You've got A.J. Brown with all this weirdness going on. So there is a connection there. I did not order anything. Oh, oh, that's right. We've got tacos being delivered for us, Paul. We do? We've got a new uh, menu item. Yes, uh, this, is, this is my fault. I completely forgot about this. And now we this. all item an apology. Yeah, especially well, when Paul is telling someone well, to, well, for I'll, awareness. I'll owe Adam an apology when he gets a laptop. <laughs> I don't want him on his phone anymore. I might have to buy the kid a laptop at some point. I was All just right. following Chad's. My cute. bad, my bad, Adam. All right, so what do we have here, sir? This is a rib taco. Okay. Okay. Sounds very good. Rib taco, wet rub, dry rub. Uh, this is at Old Smoky, a Yeehaw, 6th and Peabody tilt right it, now. Chad. Tilt it. I'm going to tilt it up here. If you're watching, you can mm. see it. White duck special sauce. If, you, if you're listening right now, you're loving this segment. Yeah, this if you're listening good. on radio, this is, this is terrific radio for you. I'm going to try it right Thank now, Paul. Thank you very Paul. much. Paul, can you describe my reaction as I Yeah, as I'm going to watch Chad eat a taco. Uh, he took a big bite. It's dripping. He's licking his thumb. He's wiping his mouth with his other hand. Now he's going to need napkins. Adam is not being responsive as an intern would be. I think Ellie would have grabbed napkins. Uh, Ellie absolutely would not have grabbed napkins, no. first off. Uh, uh, Adam's way more likely to grab a napkin. I'm just trying to make uh, would, Adam feel would. badly. Adam would have taken a bad picture you, of it. Uh, napkins have been provided, and uh, Chad has now wiped his mouth, and he's wiping his so, hands. This thing is delicious. Uh, my one request, can we get one more for Paul? At some point. I, I don't like to eat on air. That's all right. No, you can eat during a break, but we, I want you to try this. It's really good. So rib taco now available uh, with the white duck taco uh, taco shop here at 6th and Peabody. Uh, so come check it out. It's great. I probably should check my email because I think I was going to get sent something about this too. 
But anyways, that that broke up the flow. So Debo Samuel, <laughs> after the, uh, the the rib taco, which we'll talk more about also. Delicious, by the way. So Instagram Live yesterday, Debo Samuel's mother goes on Instagram Live. I have no idea how Paul knew nothing about this when he walked in today. I, I don't, it, it wasn't anywhere. It's amazing that this is not anywhere. The, the Titans beat needs to step up their game. I don't know how I know about this. How do the I find a, know uh, How do I know to look at uh, Debo Samuel's I saw it Instagram on Twitter. Live. I looked down on Twitter and saw something about Debo Samuel's mom's Instagram blowing up AJ Brown, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I, then I, I, I want to make it clear. I do not want to be that level of beat. I don't care. To, to, I don't want to well, monitor everybody's Instagram well, you all don't have day. To monitor That's it, for a much younger but, generation of right, beat people. But it's different for monitoring their Instagram and looking down at Twitter and seeing people tweet about it. You need to follow the right people, I guess. Uh, Precious, yeah, Martin, right people. Precious Martin is Debo Samuel's mom. She went on Instagram Live yesterday, and she had a candid camera moment with A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. Here is the audio of that Instagram Live session. But you turn it out there. I ain't trying out nothing. I ain't got no offer. That's deep. Tori said, Tori said, them folks said they ain't going past 20. They said, they know you worth it, but they ain't going to give it to you. What the f? Look at that. Hey, AJ Brown. Hey, AJ Brown. So they told him. Did he go through the draft with you? Uh huh. They told him. They told him. They offered him twenty million, but they know he can get more. But they're not giving him more. That's what they told him. Yeah. So that was the first voice you heard was Debo Samuel saying they haven't made him an offer. Talking about the 49ers. when he asked for, and, and that's contrary to what's been reported and out there is that he turned down some sort of offer or it wasn't going anywhere. No offer, according to Debo Samuel. Paul, you cover the Titans. You know that second voice, and I've seen the video is AJ Brown. Yes. That's on the FaceTime call with him or whatever it is. That was Debo Samuel's mother, Precious Martin, that was on Instagram Live and caught Debo Samuel on FaceTime with A.J. Brown. They share an agent. Paul, that agent's name? Tori Dandy. Tori Dandy. So you hear A.J. Brown in that call saying, Tori says that they're only offering $20 million and they won't go over that even though they have it. And he can't get more I, I, out of it. I them. think he was saying, even though they know I can get more. Even though they know I can get more somewhere else. That they're not going to go over $20 million. I mean, Paul, I'm as skeptical of this stuff. I think it's ridiculous that guys now just strip their social media accounts to make a statement when they're angry with a franchise, that that's the recourse. Armando asks, what did you do in the 80s and 90s if you didn't have social media? It's the equivalent of taking uh, the team's name out of your outgoing answering machine message when people call. But this is newsworthy. This is A.J. Brown in a candid moment telling a friend and someone he shares an agent with in Debo Samuel who's going through the same thing right now saying $20 million is the offer. The Titans aren't going over it. I don't think that's a terrible number. I mean, to start negotiations at anyway, I've said uh, Stefan Diggs is averaging 24. And DJ Moore's averaging 20. And I think A.J. Brown should be somewhere in the middle. Uh, uh, you tw- said 22, right, was the initial number you threw out there. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in the middle of 24 and 20 would be 22. So I think he can negotiate upwards from 20, but I think he would land at about 22. I don't think he's worth what Stephon Diggs is worth at 24. 
Um, but I think he's worth more than DJ Moore and the other guys who are making 20, which includes uh, DeAndre Hopkins, by the way. And I, I think paying him more than DeAndre Hopkins would be, you know, notable. Um, so, you know, I can understand him being upset with 20, but it doesn't sound like a guy that, that would be excited about 22, which I, I think is a, is a fair market average per year. Um, but that's, that's fascinating to know what the Titans have offered him at, at this yeah. point. Also, it's painted by, by Tory Dandy. So did they come right out and say, hey, we know you could get more than this elsewhere, well, but I, we're only offering you 20? Or I is think, that the way Tory Dandy's painting it to, to A.J. Brown when he's saying, hey, listen, they're offering 20, but, you know. Well, Paul, I'm trying to interpret that also. And I think the way he says it and the way I heard it also was more of, not the Titans said, here's your offer. I know you're going to get more elsewhere, but here's the final offer. I think it's Tory Dandy saying, here's their offer. They're not going over it, but we know, but we know you can get more elsewhere. That's what an agent would say. Yeah, I so agree. That, that, sound, that does not sound like something Titans would tell him. That sounds like agent talk to me. I agree. I come away from this call encouraged that the Titans are going to get it done with A.J. Brown quickly because $2 million is a lot of money. But two million is not a lot of money in the NFL. If the offer's twenty, and what you're saying but is right you in the middle of twenty two, twenty two. I think I, his agent, I think twenty two is reasonable. It doesn't mean AJ Brown thinks twenty two is reasonable. It doesn't I mean think, AJ Brown thinks he's worth less than Stephon Diggs. I, think, I do. I think you sound like you do. I think twenty is reasonable. I do too. I think twenty is reasonable from the Titans. And I mean, yeah, are the Jets willing to overpay if they work out a trade for AJ Brown? Sure. But where he is right now with this team. $20 million, when you see that 24 number for guys better than him in the NFL, I would sign that today. Now, again, I'm, I don't represent A.J. Brown. I'm not A.J. Brown. I guess that's easy for me to say, but I, I look at that as a very reasonable contract extension offer from the Titans. And even if what you're saying is, is your not baseline, but what was reasonable at the beginning – right in the middle of 24 and 20 at 22, you're close away. to that. Yeah, not far away. You're close to that. And, Paul, you were at Titans Media Availability today. This was a question that came up with John Robinson. What did he have to say? Not about this number particularly, but, I mean, he said the same thing he's been saying. He, he said, uh, you know, he talked to A.J. a couple weeks ago when A.J. was in, that he's, uh, that he's had conversations with, uh, with his guy. We've had some discussions with his, his reps. Um, and, and that, you know, it's not, there's no, uh, I, I don't have the words in my head, but that it's not, there's no interest in trading him. He said something like, I still don't foresee that. I don't happening. foresee that happening. Yeah. I think it was, I don't foresee that happening was what he said. Um, also Mike Vrabel was asked about Ryan Tannehill, not said being present him here soon. They've had good communication and, um, you know what I like that he said though, a big deal. is the fact that he said, um, you know, I'm the coach. I want everyone here. I like that he didn't duck out behind that and say, oh, it's voluntary and we don't have high expectations and we don't care. No, he said, I want everyone here and I've talked to Ryan and I, I know that he's not here. But when he guys didn't say aren't that he's okay there, with it. But when guys aren't there, ultimately, if somebody's not there for the important part, he will shift back into, you know, it's a personal thing because he was very big um, as an NFL PA guy and he was a guy as a veteran who chose to stay away from Patriots camp at certain points to be with his family. So he's been on both sides of this. Um, and, and it's a weird thing for him to um, 
pressure guys to be at voluntary stuff when when he was on the other side of it he wasn't always at voluntary stuff now i, I know his roles change yeah but. And, and this kind of goes back to a conversation we've had a lot on the show you know even mike vrabel as a player and a leader on his team it's it's just different than this ryan Tannehill situation okay i mean ryan Tannehill is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league he fell flat on his face in the playoff game and we haven't heard much from him. This It's just different, the circumstances surrounding it. Ryan Tannehill needs to be here. That's been my I stance agree. all along. He needs to be here. He needs to be more accountable. He needs to be more out front about it. And uh, I, I don't know that there's any great excuse that I've heard for him not being here. No, but – and he – look, I, I'm anxious to hear from him too, but when the time comes, he's not going to say anything. I'm going to ask him point blank. You know, do you feel like you've been accountable enough for, for what you did in Cincinnati? He's going to say yes. He's, he's not going to say anything different. Like, we like to rise our expectations and stuff. I'm trying to adjust mine because guys just aren't going to say what we're uh, expecting them to say. And he's not going to say anything different than he said. I'll be hugely surprised if he says anything different than he said uh, 20 minutes after that loss at at the podium. Well, I hope he's saying something different to his teammates. And I I know we're probably not getting that side of him. His teammates aren't asking him to say anything different. His teammates have his back. His teammates say one bad game doesn't, doesn't... Wash away all the good things he did for us over the season. Uh, we're all in this together. It's not one guy, yada, yada, yada. We'll see. Again, my hope is that he would want to be here and be there with his team, but we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Moving forward on this show, though, we got Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. We're going to talk some college football, some SEC. Paul calls Lane Kiffin a whiner. I don't disagree. We'll ask Trey about that and other headlines Coming up next, this is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's talk a little ball with Trey Wallace of OutKick.com. This is OutKick 360. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kuharski's here. Jonathan Hunt, he's at an event tonight. He will be back with us tomorrow. Trey covers all things college sports. He's an OutKick SEC college sports columnist at OutKick.com. Trey... Speaking of college sports, a story you have up the site right now about some rules changes and some evaluations and appeals over the course of a week that can happen in college football this year. I'm curious to see where all this goes, especially when it comes to faking injuries in games. Yeah, it's uh, good afternoon. Hope y'all are well, boys. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting that they didn't come to a conclusion, you know, on the fake injury deal. And we call it that. You can look at the the Ole Miss-Tennessee game last year as kind of an example. But you can look all across college football for examples of that, too. Um, you They talked about how they wanted to, okay, let's review it, and then let's send it to the NCAA head of a official reviewing process. And then what they would do is and turn around and send it to the conference and then the conference would make a decision that there's any punishment. But here's the thing. If it heard anything from the Southeastern Conference that even talks about what the punishment might be. Now, Chad, maybe we get that at SEC spring meetings next month. We get a little conversation on what that might be. 
uh, if the NCAA says, okay, this is wrong, we noticed this, blah, blah, blah. But until we get some kind of definition from the conference, it really doesn't matter what you send off to the NCAA. So that part kind of stood out to me as like, okay, you're really just passing the buck. What, what, so. What's your ideal there? Because it is a hard thing to define and, and to know, you know, sometimes a guy is actually hurt. Who's the, who's the arbiter of that? And, and what's the appropriate punishment, people say, put them out for the series? Uh, you know, but what if there's one play left in the series, et cetera, et cetera? What, what, what would Trey Wallace's rule be? My, be, my thing would be if you've got the, uh, you got the officials in Birmingham that are sitting in the, you know, the, the studio down there and they're reviewing every play or they're watching the games as they go on and you've got league officials and there, referees, you know, rules officials. If they notice something blatant, and, and we'll just point it out, there were times last season where I followed the SEC that I saw many a times Lane Kiffin kind of giving that go-down signal or hit the deck, something along those lines, giving a signal to go down. Or Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel did it once or twice last season where he kind of gave the old once the player got near the sideline, hey, go down type of deal, and then the guy's back in you know, after the next play. I think it's hard to figure out. You're not going to be able to figure out if a player is really hurt or not because the guy might have a strain for one play, then all of a sudden he's feeling better and getting back in. But there are blatant ways that coaches go about this that you can notice on television. And I think a lot of people noticed it last year when you had head coaches telling players to go down or you had somebody just literally just fall out on the field and then he's getting up and he's jogging off or running off five seconds later. I, I, I think that if you put these players to the side for, I don't know, a series, you kind of mentioned it, what happens if it's third down and they got to punt the next series or something along those lines. I, I would just maybe say a certain amount of plays that you have to be out for, not just one play, but maybe three plays, something along those lines to kind of make up for it. Um, because it's really affected some of these teams when it comes to their offense and especially being in rhythm and being in flow. So I, I would say maybe three plays, but it's going to be interesting to see how the SEC decides to to send these reviews off and then what they come down with when it comes to a punishment. Trey, it seems Elaine Kiffin just can't quit Tennessee and the Vols. Any chance he gets, he's going to he's gonna talk about Tennessee in an interview. And I know that, um, that Josh Heupel was on with, with Bussin' with the Boys and had some funny things to say when asked about Ole Miss and their hydration techniques before the game that apparently they didn't drink an ounce of water leading up to that game in Knoxville last week with all the cramping that was going on in the game. But I hear Kiffin, and I, I see a couple different things. I see a guy that knows that, that he needs attention on Ole Miss football, however he can get that attention. Uh, I also kind of hear a guy that wants out, ultimately, and that doesn't really feel like he can compete with the big boys in the SEC at, at Ole Miss. Am I wrong in feeling both ways about Lane Kiffin? Maybe not. The Ole Miss thing kind of feels right because I, I think if there was a bigger job, and we've talked about this in the past, if there was a bigger job that maybe would have taken him last cycle, you know, maybe Miami, something along those lines, maybe he'd have gone that route. Um, I think he also understands that there's not – there's value in Oxford, okay? there's They have money. Now, I don't think they have – College Station money, Knoxville money, Tuscaloosa money, but they've got money. The fact that 
he's been bringing up Bryce Young and how he could take advantage of the system by entering the portal and you know and then going back and getting his market value to go back up and and playing around with Nick Saban and then he adds on to the fact that you know well there was this kid that got eight million dollars who's going to play at East Tennessee hasn't played it down yet okay we know what we know who he's talking about for allegedly allegedly but I I think when it comes to it. The more that he keeps his name in the news, which is not a bad thing, by the way. If, if people are talking about you, they're thinking about Ole Miss. So it's not all that bad. But the more that he continues on this path, he's becoming the voice, whether he likes it or not, and whether people like him or not, he is becoming the voice of NIL and the problems that might arise from it. I don't, Chad, I don't agree. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't disagree with a lot of what he says. I really don't. I, I think he hits it spot on. I think it's Lane Kiffin, and I think that's why people get a little bit quirky when it comes to how he performs and how he puts it out there, why he's the one at the forefront of all this talking about it and not somebody else. Because, you know, and, and if we're all honest with each other, this NIL stuff, it's been going on, man, for decades. There's not a thing that's changed. It's different because you've got players that are representing businesses now, but let's not act like these these paying the players has not been going on for so long. It's just a different way to do it. And I think, you know, Lane Kiffin hasn't said anything like that, but I'm starting to feel like he might go down that path. <laughs> and maybe this is the way he stays in the news and keeps his program in the news, but uh, – the- He's talking so much. He's whining incessantly about people who have resources that he doesn't and are able to do things that he can't do. I feel like he should be spending more time, maybe trying to find ways uh, to to figure out things that he can do that would make him, you know, uh, competitively get get on the same footing or find find a way to compete. Instead of it's this broken record of just bitch well, and Trey also he's able to do that with the transfer market, right? It yes. seems like Ole Miss is finding some money uh, to bring in Jackson Dart from USC or Zach Evans, who's a former five star running back. They're doing just fine bringing in big time transfers, and I'm willing to bet those guys are getting paid some NIL money to do so. Yes, they're getting paid NIL money to be here. If they're not getting paid NIL money, they're getting paid somewhere else. Yeah. They didn't just show up in Oxford, okay? I think a lot of people remember the craziness that was the Zach Evans recruitment a year and a half ago, two years ago. Lord, time has, has just flown by. But it's not like these players are coming there just to say, okay, we're going to Ole Miss and playing for Lane Kiffin. I get it. If you're an offensive player – it's good to go play for a, a guy like Lane Kiffin. Okay, I, I I get it. Look at Matt Corral last year. Look at some of their running backs and receivers. But I'm also saying that there's no reason for, I guess, the talk to continue for so long if he's not if he's continuing to make the same point over and over again and not bringing up something different. Then yes, Paul, I kind of agree with you that it sounds like whining more so than it sounds like let's get something done to to fix this. Yeah, and, and here's the other pitfall of NIL. Because he brought up, you know, Nico Iamaleava, $2 million a year. I mean, it's no no secret. It hasn't been really put in print, but everyone knows who he's talking about and the rumors around that. Um, the downside of that is 
and I'm a Tennessee grad, um, you can't just say, man, it's just a freshman when Nico arrives on campus. Man, give the, cut the kid a break. He's just a freshman. No, he's a $2 million a year football player, uh, the first of his kind. So I expect him to start, and everyone in that locker room will expect him to start, and everyone's going to expect him to be really good right off the bat. So there's no grace period now for guys that are making that much money. Arch Manning's different because he's been around the spotlight his whole life. He's going to make more than Nico Iamaleava wherever he goes. But, I mean, it's always been an expectation of college sports fans and college football fans, and, and, and you know this, Trey, that guys are good right off the bat. It's even more so now. And people are going to point to, well, this is not just some regular college kid we're talking about. This is a $2 million a year athlete. There are some players in college football that you know that are going to come in and they're going to play immediately as a freshman. Uh, and, and maybe that's along like a defensive line or maybe it's a big offensive lineman or you know, a wide receiver, quarterback, whatever, running back. You can name it. With Nico, it, it'll be interesting to me once he gets on campus, you know, he's got to put on some weight. I think we can all agree on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what his offensive line looks like. Um, and then I'm, you know, I, 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 okay, Chad, I get the $2 million thing and you have to technically start immediately. But here, I'll throw one at you, though. What if Taven Jackson turns out to be this stud of a quarterback at Tennessee? And the coach is like, well, wait a minute. Okay, we, we've got something here. Are we just putting this to a side and saying, okay. That's a great point. Because, because somebody else, okay, because somebody else outside of Tennessee decided they want to pay this kid $2 million to come here and play, that should not force our hand to start somebody if Taven Jackson is playing well and he looks like a dynamite kid. I mean, we just don't we just don't know. I, I get the money and I get the amount, but that is a risk that these collectives and that these groups outside of the university are taking on this kid. I understand that the university and Josh Hypo is recruiting these kids, but that ain't their problem. Like if they if they want a kid, okay, the new the new laws have now passed. So NIL collectives can talk to coaches about recruits and whatnot can help fundraise. Even if Josh Heupel says, okay, well, we need a running back, or we need this, this, and this, you know, how can we fundraise, help out, whatever's needed. It still doesn't matter if the kid gets on campus and he's getting beat out by somebody else. He might be making $2 million by sitting on the bench. We don't know. The kid's, what, 17 years old, hasn't taken a college snap yet. So until we get that process, until he gets on campus, until he – puts on 20 pounds or whatever in that spring in his first year, and he goes up against Taven Jackson, and he's better on the field, hey, it's it's still out there right now, Chad. So that that's why I don't buy him immediately to, like, that type of situation because we still don't know what Taven Jackson looks like at Tennessee, and this kid could turn out to be a, a dynamite stud, and they don't want to change anything up. Yeah, it's and, going and, to be very and we're looking at this just through the lens of, of Tennessee, but it's really a national story because it's going to happen with other guys. So we can talk yeah. about it in, in a broad setting. But And look, I think it's going to work out okay for, for a Tennessee to bring in a, a five-star talent, you know, maybe the second-best quarterback in this class. <clears throat> but, Trey, they really need him to be really good right off the bat <laughs> and to show everyone on that team that he's just that talented because you're right. That coaching staff, that collective – 
that kid, the, it, you're in a tough spot if it's clear Taven Jackson's the best option next year because you can't fool the team. You can't fool football players. They're going to know if one guy's earned it and is better right now, and you're starting a kid because he's making $2 million to be on campus coming over from California, and that's going to be not just a quarterback room problem. That's an entire locker room roster problem at that point. I'll give you an example, and it goes back to last year, and we'll stay with Tennessee for a minute. I know Joe Milton got banged up in that Pittsburgh game, but I think after the Pittsburgh game, when Joe Milton was healthy, what a game or two later, whatnot, Hendon Hooker comes in, that locker room knew who that starting quarterback should be. I talked to multiple players on that team, and they knew that Hendon Hooker was the guy right now for Tennessee to be the quarterback in the connections that he was making and the throws he was making away was on that offense. So Tennessee brought in Joe Milton for a reason, okay? The kid didn't even play in any spring ball. He comes in over the summer. All of a sudden, he's the starting quarterback a week into fall camp. Tennessee had a plan for Joe Milton. That plan blew up. And then Hendon Hooker became the star. So what I'm getting at is you might have a plan. You might have a $2 million kid coming in, and you think he's the, the he's God's gift to, to college football. And he should be when it comes to the publicity and everything that's gone into it, okay? But if you got somebody else sitting over there side who can run your offense, maybe do it a little bit better, maybe you see something different in him, you got to give that kid a shot. You cannot be held by the money that other people are spending in college football. And I promise you, coaches aren't doing that. Coaches are worried about, okay, I can't go 6-6 six and six this year because I'm going to get fired. Sorry, 18-year-old kid that's making $2 million a year. I'm going with the best player on the team. That's what we're going to see over the next three to four years in college football. So in college basketball, the money's working in a different way on the back end. You're using it maybe to get a kid there on the front end. But we're seeing it keep guys on the back end who usually would be going pro. Oscar Shibway staying at Kentucky. I've heard he got $2 million to, to stay, which is a pretty nice price, more than he, certainly more than he would have done as a, as a second-round pick um, in, in his first year in the NBA. Um, what do you think about NIL's ability to change college basketball in terms of helping guys stay longer? I, I – I like it in a sense of, first of all, I like it because Oscar Sheboy is coming back next year and I loved watching him play this year. But when we're talking about NIL, we're talking about money that can be put in, you know, to, to say, and pretty much how it came down to, Paul, is, okay, this kid might go real late in the first round, maybe pick 30, something like that. Okay, well, we know Kentucky has enough money in their NIL collective to take care of a few things. And if they need to, they can find the funding to take care of Oscar Sheboy. So it comes down to a decision. Okay, you know, I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm probably not going to start on any team. I'm probably going to be on the G League for a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not a top 10 pick. Why not come back to Kentucky? And, and you said $2 million. Okay, make a couple million dollars playing basketball in Kentucky, get my game better, um, and then, you know what, we can move on and I'll go to the NBA the next year. I think that you're going to start seeing that a little bit in college hoops when it comes to borderline players. And, and you know, would I'm, here's an example. <clears throat> would a Keon Johnson or Jaden Springer of Tennessee last year benefited from something like this when it came to, NIL and maybe staying another year 
you know, but maybe that kind of plays out in a sense. Um, so I'm just kind of using them kind of as an example here. But I think overall in college basketball, it's going to be good for the sport down the road, in my opinion, because you're going to get some of these players that are not wanting to take these huge risks of just putting myself out there. Players that we know they're good, but could maybe use a little bit more college time. I think it benefits them that they can come back, make the money off their name, uh, be able to set themselves up for the next four to five years, however long, and then go live out their dreams in the in, in the NBA. So it, it, it's smart for college hoops. And if you've got blue blood programs like Kentucky that can pull it off money-wise, why not? So, Trey, uh, you wrote about this at OutKick, but it's a scary proposition that Stetson Bennett is working on being a better leader coming off leading Georgia as quarterback to a national championship a year ago, and there's still room for improvement in that department. Um, that's both a good and somewhat scary thing for Georgia fans, I think, but mainly good since they won it a year ago. I, I think it is good. I think last year, Stetson Bennett was thrown into the fire. Um, so leadership skills and being able to lead the team and, and doing that on and off the field, I don't know. It's not to me it's a good kid, okay? But who knows if that was like a top priority for him. I mean, the guy was third string heading into fall. It's, it's a different dynamic. So you look at it now, and Kirby Smart, the first week of spring practice, he laid down the gauntlet to Stetson. And I know what he was doing. He was motivating him. And I get that part. I think everybody does. But he said, you know, we need Stetson to be a better leader. We need him to handle his business on and off the field, in the classroom. And there were times last year. There was a, you know, Stetson Bennett was not voted one of the, I think it was 25 team captains from the Georgia squad last year. Okay? So you get better. You become that guy in the quarterback room. You become that guy on and off the field. And you enhance your game. And it's scary to think what Georgia could do with an enhanced Stetson Bennett because he is able to play within that system. And he's also able to get outside the pocket, get down the field, whatnot. And I think overall, I think him stepping up and being able to take first string reps all during the spring, that's huge for him. He's never been able to do that as a college quarterback. So you're building yourself up as that leader of the football team, something he didn't get the opportunity to do last year, and I think that benefits Georgia next season. So, Trey, I, I'm, I'm you know, self-proclaimed not the biggest college baseball guy, but Tennessee okay. baseball is sort of a think piece in and of itself. Uh, I mean, it, it really is. In terms of the level of vitriol they inspire from their opponents, the level of defense that they inspire for Tennessee fans – the fact they're selling out baseball games now in Knoxville, which I don't know this ever happened before, uh, breaking attendance records left and right. Then you have Tony Vitello getting a four-game suspension for bumping an umpire. Uh, my wife sees this and just bring because we were talking about it at, at Easter on Sunday with my family, and after the fact she said, so your coach is just kind of a jerk, right? And I'm like, you know, yeah, I think you're right. If it happens anywhere else and you see a guy go chest bump, uh, the umpire thinking, man, that, that guy probably shouldn't do that as a college coach. It probably should cool it a little bit and not be getting uh, suspended for four games for physically making contact with an umpire. I get it. I mean, I get all of it. And then I hear him talk about it, and I come back to saying, man, he's pretty – he's got his eyes open about what happened. He's like, yeah, probably deserved it. I was taking up for my assistant coach, got a little emotional – 
I'm an Italian guy, got overly emotional, and I, I deserve what I got. Um, there's something both incredibly likable and hateable about this group all at once, Dre. I'll tell you something about Tony Vitello. It's, it's, you're watching him, and if you're an opposing fan, you, know, you, you might not like him. But then you see some of the stuff he does, and you're like, you know what? Damn, you know, that guy kind of stands out to me. I kind of like him for some reason. He's, he's, he's kind of – It's a bit Lane like Kiffin-esque in that he's regard. He's a heel. He's a heel, and he doesn't care. And heel is wrestling persona is bad guy. Okay, David Reed will know what I'm talking about here. So when we, when we look at what Tony Vitello and this team has been able to do, they've taken on the persona of we don't care what you think of our program. We are going to go out there. We're going to strut our stuff. We're going to have fun playing college baseball, and we're going to beat you. If you don't like it, beat us, humble us for a game, which is what happened on Friday night against Alabama, and then Tennessee comes back on Saturday, beats up on Bama, beats up on Bama on Sunday. There's something about this team, man, and I've covered a lot of teams in the past, and you, you, and I've called a bunch of college baseball, and I look at this team, and I think to myself, they are like the NWO of college baseball, where everybody outside hates them. But inside, it's like, okay, all right, there's something to this team. Like the fan base likes them, in a sense. Like they, they, they're enthralled with what they put on the field, and they're good. They're good in the process. they got pitching, they've got hitting, they've got bullpen. And then they got a head coach who is out there who does not care what you think. I'm going to go I'm, real quick. That Vanderbilt series – where he got, in, you know, he ran out in the field, wanted to look at the bat. From talking to a couple people, he wasn't just going out there and trying to get the bat. He was trying to make a point to Vanderbilt that we're not messing around here. That we're, I can't use the language here that was expressed to me what right. was said on the field. <laughs> but he was pretty much saying, we're not here in Nashville to screw around. We're here to take care of you. And that's what they did. So the team has taken on the persona of the coach. I think this works out in the long run. And I think overall, as we go forward, you know, we'll see. We're in the second half of the, the SEC season, Chad. Tennessee looks good right now. We'll see if they can keep it up. Tough series at Florida this weekend. But you look around the SEC, there's, there's so many good teams. And, and I think that's going to add on to the flair of the rest of the season. I, I can't wait for it. Um, you know, and uh, uh, last thing I'll say about Tony Vitello. When he was tossed from that game on Saturday, I was told four or five SEC baseball coaches told, called him and told him, hey, that was pretty funny. Good job. So, well, it, it, what it's worth. And one thing that I appreciate, you know, the, the Ole Miss kid who said, oh, we're going to show them tomorrow. We underestimate it won't happen again. And Tennessee went on to sweep them after the Ole Miss kid talked trash. Uh, when Tennessee talks trash, I actually believe it <laughs> after Friday night. They said, yeah, we're going to come back and beat them badly the next two days after tonight, and they actually did it uh, the next two days, which was impressive. Hey, one more football question for you, Trey. How scary is it that Nick Saban's having to pull Will Anderson out of the A-Day game because he's dominating to the point where Bryce Young can't get quality reps in because he's all over him on every snap? That's not good for other quarterbacks across the SEC. I Let me tell you something right now. I'd go to FanDuel right now, and I'd put money on Will Anderson to be a long shot of the Heisman. I'm not even kidding. This guy is going to be a wreck for teams this year. A major problem. And if you got to pull him, you're probably pulling him for other reasons, too. He doesn't want to get hurt. But this kid's good. 
and he's going to terrorize folks in the Southeastern Conference this year. So I don't blame Nick Saban. Hey, don't let that kid start seeing red on the field accidentally and go pound your quarterback into the sand. So you got you to roll with it. Anderson, Will Anderson, he, he's so darn good. It'll be fun this year to watch him play. Um, and it's just it's interesting to see how all this is played out with Alabama when it comes to that defense because you lose so much, but then you still have Will Anderson and Nick Saban's like, you know what? I'm going to hold my young bull back a little bit. Y'all can see him once the uh, opener comes around. Trey Wallace, always fun, always insightful, always good conversation. He writes about college football, about the SEC for OutKick.com, joins us every Thursday here on OutKick 360. Trey, thanks so much. Thanks. Have a great weekend, boys. Appreciate y'all. Same to you. We're going to come back, close up shop, tell you what to watch tonight and what to look forward to on OutKick 360 tomorrow. That's all coming up next. This is OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back. Final segment, Outkick 360, here across the Outkick Network. Chad Withrow, Paul Kowarski. Paul Kowarski, who's watching uh, his son's baseball game on an app right now. What a time to be alive that you can watch that. The app looks cool, too. Yeah. It's advanced. You'll get used to it. Game changer. High tech. Everybody's using it. Except that uh, everything's to catcher. Whoever's doing it, uh, second game in a row. So every ground ball, line drive, base hit to catcher. Yeah. So we don't know where the ball goes on anything. We, Someone's got to freshen that up. Well, I'm going to get to this game in, shortly, and whoever's doing it, I'm going to say, hey, can we uh, freshen that up a little bit? We had – I'm sure that's going to go over well. But when you show up late to the game, hey, uh, I've been watched on the app, and you guys are really screwing this thing up. Last night I'm pitching in the Coach Pitch Softball League, and the scoreboard goes out at one point, the score, and I'm kind of looking up at our mom who's doing the scoreboard. The away team handles the scoreboard, and uh, – like, hey, is this you or is this the scoreboard? And the umpire looks at me and says, it's definitely her. She definitely screwed it up. And then she turned it back on and it was fine. Change is coming to the Hall of Fame selection process, basically an expansion over the next three years where uh, room for a bigger class with more seniors, which was one of our biggest concerns, but also room for a longer meeting because rather than the senior just coming in and getting a uh, consideration with a thumbs up or thumbs down, after a presentation, they'll actually be part of the reduction. So uh, more of them will be presented to the full group, um, and then they'll be voted on and, and uh, trimmed during the day. So uh, we'll get into that in more detail as, uh, as it becomes more clear. Very cool. Uh, Paul, i got great news for you tonight. When you get home after that game, your Memphis Grizzlies will be playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. 1-1 yeah. series tie. Warriors Nuggets tonight, Jazz Mavericks. That's your NBA. Dude, I don't know how you guys have flipped this switch and gotten into the NBA as well, I'm not, early in the I'm playoffs. Not. I'm not. I'm going to be completely honest about this uh, schedule. Not going to get me excited tonight for <laughs> NBA. There's not much about Warriors Nuggets, Grizzlies Timberwolves, or Mavs Jazz. Yanks have already lost today. Uh, I have uh, church obligation and then after baseball. And then I'll be working on a huge wide receivers file. Paul, you are out tomorrow. 
right? So you'll be Easter back with us next week. Yeah. Easter weekend tomorrow. Uh, Hutton is going to be in Birmingham tomorrow, getting ready for some USFL stuff going on this weekend. Uh, some behind-the-scenes access for Jonathan Hutton. Right, so you guys will be doing Down a magical USFL. split broadcast. Yeah, they showed us earlier, and they happened to catch me. I, typically, my natural demeanor is sort of hunched over when I'm looking at a computer with my hand on my mouth in some way. And they caught me with, like, my pinky scratching my upper lip mm. on the shot. Dr. that they, Dr. The freeze Evil frame they used. Look. And I said, yeah, that's a really flattering picture of well, me. Later, you so they much. got you eating a taco. Don't worry. It, it only went downhill from there. I, I feel like. Jacob Swanson lives for any piece of food to be placed in front of me just to go ISO shot on that, that shot the whole time. If a hot dog comes in, I mean, his mouth is watering. Oh. Much like my mouth waters for said hot dog, dog, Jacob Swanson is ready to capture the entire eating experience. That taco, though, was very good. Short rib taco, now available at 60 I am P-Bot. a big fan of the short rib, so uh, that will become my favorite in short order, I'm guessing. We'll, uh, we'll have one tomorrow. Well, Paul won't. He'll be out. I'll, I'll have one tomorrow. Uh, I'll be in studio solo tomorrow. Jonathan Hutton will be in Birmingham. We'll have Bobby Carpenter on the show. Cast of regular Friday guests. VolQuest guys. Austin Price, Brent Hubs. Going to be a lot of fun. Before we sign off for the fun, though, today, Paul, you always have a message for the people. Yeah, and this needs to last for two days and through the weekend. Do not block the box, but please, please lock your locks. 